Um, the Royals game is this Saturday. We're meeting here at 3 o'clock. So s most of you said you're coming, you think. So meet here at 3 o'clock. Uh, for you guys, you might be able to, they might be able to pick you up in Greenview. So you don't have to drive all the way down here and then drive all the way right back past your house. So we'll figure it out. And then we'll be back around 9.30ish. Yes. It's probably going to be $15 for the ticket. And then if you want to bring money for food and stuff like that, we're going to have... We're going to have a tailgate before the game, so we'll have hamburgers and hot dogs, stuff like that before the game starts. So you may not need food unless once you get in, I'm guessing you're going to want to buy something, but... Sick. Um... Do you have a guy in your family that will buy a ticket? Yeah. One Royals ticket per year? What? He'll buy you one Royals ticket per year? It's, you have to say you want to go. Oh. Is he still going to, is he going to buy yours this year? You have to go with him to a game? Or yeah, it's like a huge family. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to check the Right? <laughs> All right, so I did not, I did not send an update this week to your parents, but we're gonna meet at 3 p.m. at the church. I will. Uh, Bible conference, the 20th through the 24th. We will not have class that night on the 20th, since we'll be having church, main church going on. So no church that day, and then on the 24th, that Sunday, I'll remind you again. But there's no ABF classes. It's just one service on the 24th. And it's one main service. So we won't have class that day either. And then we have church cleaning the Saturday of the Bible conference. So since they're going to have all the machines set up and there's going to be like potentially a couple hundred people in the building working on Bibles, we will be limited in what we can do. So we're just going to have to work around who's here, just vacuum bathrooms and clean the windows. And that's probably all we're going to be able to do. So if you haven't been coming to church cleaning and you want an easy church cleaning day, September 23rd is the right day. All right. Questions about any of that stuff? Yes, Hallie. Of course, you have a question. Can we bring people to the Royals game, or is that more of a? Uh, no, don't don't bring people to the Royals game. I'm just teasing. You should bring people to every event we do. That is one of the reasons we do them is so you bring people to them. So no matter what it is, if I am organizing it as a youth event, it is meant to bring friends. It's meant to hang out and have fun. It's meant to just be for us and any of your friends. So yes, bring somebody to the Royals game. Maybe they'll make friends with somebody else that's here. Who knows? Yeah. And it'll work. It'll work your attitude out, and it'll be like maybe you like that person. Yeah. Okay. She's been here the whole time. No, she she came in with Hallie whenever they came and sat down. But she's been here since before Hallie was here. I just saw your shoe and I'm like... Alright. Numerology. Week number two. Hopefully we're going to finish it up. You guys remember what any of the numbers from last week were? What's one? Yeah, 
Good job. What's two? Three? What? Yeah, hole or structure, I think was the other one we used. Four? Yep, five. Huh? Death and grace. Yes, good job. Brenda knows all about stools. That's her job. Yes. That's <laughs> mm, a GI joke. Brandon, you can cut that out if you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brenda says leave it in. All right, number six. We're going to talk about the numbers. We're hopefully going to finish the rest of these. Uh, go to Genesis chapter six, verse six. Actually, I'm not even going to write it up there. I'm going to see if you guys can figure it out based on Genesis six, verse six. Somebody read it when they get there, and then tell me what you think it means. I may have any ideas about what six might be based on that verse. No. Good guess. Anybody else? We'll read uh, one more verse. Maybe it will help you. Genesis chapter 1, verse... I didn't put this in my notes, so I probably should have. Uh, 20... Genesis 1, verse 26 and verse 31. Okay. You can still... You can still read. Huh? Nope. Not make. No. Nope. Yes. What is he making in this verse? Man. Yes. The number six is the number of man. So man was created on the sixth day. Genesis 6, 6. Uh, you know, God makes the decision to destroy mankind. Um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 9. says, uh, so this is dealing with the Ten Commandments. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Okay, so man is supposed to work for six days and have a Sabbath. Um, there's a bunch of verses in Exodus. If you're taking notes, let me just write them down. <clears throat> I get ambitious whenever I do my notes. I'm like, oh yeah, we can get through all this. 
And then once I get up here, I'm like, eh, we're not going to make through all this. So I know some of you guys are writing notes so you can get all these down. So there's a bunch of verses in Exodus that deal with the number six and dealing with man. Um, so the sixth commandment in verse 13 of chapter 20 there, it says, Thou shalt not kill. Okay, that deals with uh, man. Turn to Revelation chapter 13. This one the Bible actually tells us that it's the number of man. Yep, sorry. Revelation chapter 13, verse 18. Somebody read that when they get there. Revelation 13, 18. Anybody got it? I don't know if you, do you guys know what a score is? You know that uh, Abraham Lincoln Gettysburg Address, four score and seven years ago. What's a score? 20 years, yeah. Good job. So, yeah, this is the number of the B600, three score, which is 60 and six. So, 666. But it says, uh, it, for it is the number of a man, three times. So, six, six, and six. Um, we looked at the. Armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, there's six pieces of the armor that we're supposed to be putting on to defend against the, or putting on or using. So there's the, what are the six pieces? Claire, what's one of them? Breastplate of righteousness. What's one of them, Hallie? She took yours. There's five other ones. Shield of faith. Bianca, what's another one? The breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. The Juju, what's one? The belt. Truth, yes. Okay, what did you say? There's this one. There's this one. And there's these ones. You don't remember any of them? Do you guys remember any of them? From VBS, VBA? And your feet Preparation of the Gospel of Peace. Yes, that's your feet. Sword of the Spirit and Helmet of Salvation. Good job. Yeah, so there's six pieces of armor that we're supposed to either put on or use in the case of the sword. Uh, turn to cha- John chapter s- 2, verse 6. So it doesn't happen all the time, but a lot of times the chapter or the verse number uh, will like help you. Like, well, a lot of these are verse 6, or like in that Revelation we just looked at, it was verse 18, which is 666, uh, which it talks about 666 in that verse. So a lot of times you'll notice that kind of a correlation. John chapter 2, verse 6. So this was Jesus' first miracle. 
that he performed, uh, which most of us probably know that was the water to wine story at the wedding. Uh, but in verse 6, it says, And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, fill, water pot, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And it was wine that was in there, if you read the rest of that story. But there were six water pots. And so this was his first... Uh, so Jesus had been alive for like 30 years at this point. Um, and this was the first miracle that he did to kind of begin his ministry to mankind. Um, so that's another uh, picture of the, or not another picture, but another example of the number six being the number of man. There's probably hundreds of all of these uh, for for any of these numbers. There's probably hundreds of different verses and places you could go. Um, these are just a few that were hitting for the highlights. So uh, number seven, anybody know what number seven is? Nobody knows seven? This is like maybe the most, other than 13, this is probably the most well-known one, I would say. Nobody? The number seven? What? You know what it is about Harry Potter? What is it according to Harry Potter? Oh, okay. Well, that's not what the Bible has to say about it. (laughs) Nobody knows what seven is? Perfection. Yeah, perfection. Yes. That's annoying. Yeah, perfection, completion. People say it's God's favorite number, all that stuff. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, there's a lot of sevens in the Bible. Uh, Like a lot, a lot of sevens. So creation took seven days, right? Uh, even now we keep track of time in a seven day week. Okay. That's not new. That's how God set it up. He had them working for six days and they had the Sabbath day, which for the Jews was on a Saturday, but still they had seven days and then they would start the week over. That's exactly how we still do it now. Um, turn to, uh, Leviticus chapter 25. So all of these numbers that we're looking at, these are all just, I mean, I know, I don't expect you guys necessarily to remember all of these, um, but it's helpful to know, like when you're going through your Bible and you're just reading or you're, especially if you're studying, but even if you're just reading your Bible and, you know, when you come across, uh, you know, verse seven in the chapter, a lot of times it's going to deal with perfection, completion. When you come across verse six, a lot of times it's going to deal with, you know, mankind, um, or, you know, the sixth book of the Bible, the sixth chapter of the Bible, the seventh chapter of the Bible. Like, the the way that the Bible is structured, there's so many, like, underlying things like this that you don't necessarily see. But if you start just thinking to yourself, okay, the number of seven is the number of perfection, number of completion. If you just, like, think about that, and then you go and you read some of these verses, and you pay attention to, oh, this number is this, and, and it shows up over and over and over and over again. So it's just kind of helpful, I think, to remember as you read and as, especially as you study. So Leviticus 25, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six, day, six years sorry, thou shalt sow thy field, and six years 
thou shalt prune thy vineyard and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest uh, unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. Okay, so they had, in addition to just like the seventh day was a day of rest for them, uh, they would they would farm their land for six years, and in the seventh year they would rest that piece of land um, in order to like give the give the land a Sabbath year, uh, so they wouldn't plant anything in there the seventh year. Um, there's a similar story uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 15 dealing with like how long they could hire a servant. So they could hire a servant for six years, and the seventh year they had to uh, let that servant go, um, like you know, free that servant. Uh, the book of Revelation, there's a bunch of sevens in there. We're not going to look at all of them because it's going to take us too much time to look at all the different verses. But if you're taking notes, uh, let me write it over here. So sevens in Revelation, there are there's seven churches. There's seven candlesticks. Seven stars, seven trumpets. Seven cups, seven horns, seven woes, seven heads, seven mountains, seven angels, seven vials, seven plagues, seven kings. There's probably more. Uh, there are seven judgments, um, not in Revelation, but we're going to look at that in just a second. Or I have a separate list of sevens that includes that. There's seven judgments in the Bible. Um, there are three angels in the Bible that are mentioned by name. Anybody know who the th- what the three names are of the three angels in the Bible that are listed? There's lots of angels in the Bible, but there's only three that have a name. Maybe one of them. One of them, all y'all know for sure. Lucifer. Lucifer. How many letters is in Lucifer? Seven. All three of the angels that are named have seven letters in their name, which is kind of interesting. And I know the other two? Or one of the other two? Huh? Gabriel, yes. Last one? Anybody know? Huh? M. Michael, yes. Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer are the three angels that are named uh, in the Bible. And they all have seven letters in their name. Um, <clears throat> so there's going to be a seven-year tribulation. Uh, that's going to be the kind of the completion or the perfection of um, time as far as we know it. So there's been roughly 6,000 years of human history so far. And then we have a thousand-year tribulation that's yet, or not a thousand-year tribulation, seven-year tribulation followed by a thousand-year um, millennium, which will complete 7,000 years of human history. Uh, but yeah, to your point, babe, there are seven resurrections in the Bible. There's seven baptisms. There's seven mysteries. There's seven judgments, seven dispensations. Uh, there are other sevens in the Bible. Those are just kind of some main ones. Um, but seven shows up over and over and over and over again in the Bible. Uh, God uses that um, 
as a number of completion, a number of perfection. Uh, there's seven stages of spiritual growth that we talk about. Um, Brian's kind of recently added an eighth one, kind of. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's seven stages of spiritual growth. Uh, the number eight. Anybody know what the number eight is? Turn to, Je- turn to Matthew chapter 28. What's going on in Matthew chapter 28? Anybody know? What do you think is happening at the end of the Gospel of Matthew? What happens in the Gospels in general towards the end of the book? All four Gospels record Jesus' death. And then, uh, so right around the end of the, each of the books is dealing with Jesus' death or his resurrection, depending on the book. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Okay, Jesus resurrected on the first day of the week. Okay, so it wasn't the, it wasn't the eighth day after his crucifixion. But if you think about it, okay, we start our week on Sunday, right? So you got Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then the next Sunday is the start of a new week, right? Our weeks start on Sundays. Their weeks start on Saturdays. But either way, the eighth day, if you just count eight days off, the eighth day, where, wherever you start, is the start of a new week, right? Each Sunday is the start of a new week. It's the eighth day. So the number eight is uh, new beginnings. And you'll see that a lot in the Bible. So if you just, if you just think about it logically, if the number seven is something being completed, then when you go to eight, you're starting something new, right? If, we're stop, if, if seven completes the week... Or in the case of the years when they weren't supposed to plant, right? They did six years of planting. They had a rest year on the seventh year. So in the eighth year, they could start planting something new, right? Um, and so, so the number eight is new beginnings. You can look at uh, look at First Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three, verses nineteen and twenty. Somebody read that for me. Besides Juju, want to read? Alright, so there's eight people on the ark. Okay, eight souls. There was Noah and his wife, right? And he had three kids and their wives. Okay, there was eight people that came off the ark. What did God do with those eight people? He started. He restarted the human race, right? There was a new beginning. The old, you know, Adam to Noah, that the, those people all died, 
right? Except for these eight people. So God started fresh with eight people uh, coming off the ark. You can read about those in Genesis chapter eight. That's when they that's when they got off of the ark. Okay, so in Genesis chapter eight, the number of new beginning. That's when they actually departed from the ark. It's actually in verse eighteen where it says that they got off the ark. So, First um, Samuel chapter eight. Um, you guys know I love First Samuel. First Samuel chapter eight is where. Or I'm gonna turn there. We don't have time. Uh, is where Israel asks for a king. Right? They had been uh, ruled by judges up to that point. Uh, that's like Samuel was the last judge, right? And Eli, the guy who kind of raised him in the temple, he was a judge. Uh, but in in First Samuel chapter eight, they're like, "Hey, we don't we don't want God to be our ruler anymore. We want a king like everybody else. Everybody else has a king. That's what we want." And uh, so it was a new beginning for the nation of Israel, right? It started off uh, this this new um, thing for them, where they were then ruled by kings, which most of the time did not work out very well for them, which is what God told them, but. Uh, that's what they wanted. So that was a new beginning for them. Um, all right, the number nine. Anybody know what nine is? Man, y'all need to get these down. I said earlier I didn't. You didn't necessarily need to memorize them, but you guys got to memorize these. Uh, yeah, you can answer if you want. Fruit bearing. Number nine is fruit bearing. How long is a woman pregnant, generally speaking? Nine months, right? And then they bear fruit, physical fruit. Okay? Genesis chapter nine. Told you guys, a lot of times these chapters and verses line up with the number that's correlated to them, especially in the book of Genesis, because you're dealing with the first time that it's mentioned or one of the first times it's mentioned. Turn to Genesis chapter nine, verse one. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Okay? Genesis chapter 9, God gives Noah the same command that he gave Abraham, which is be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Okay? Be fruitful. Genesis 9. Uh, Genesis 17. Look at Genesis 17, verse 1. You guys know, probably, hopefully know the story of Abram. So God had promised him that he would make him a mighty nation. And, uh, you know, he goes about his business. And after a little while, he's like, I don't even have any kids. How am I going to be a mighty nation? And so his wife gives him her handmaid. And he has a child named Ishmael with with her. And, uh, you know, God comes along uh, a little bit later and says, hey, uh, that's not what you were supposed to do. I told you I'd make you fruitful. Uh, you didn't have to take it into your own hands. But in verse uh, chapter 17, verse 1, And when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me, and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying... And he goes on and basically tells him, You're going to have a child. So he has a child at... Um, or he's told that he will have a child at 99 years old. How many times do you guys think that the number nine shows up in the Bible? Any guesses? Hint, it has something to do with nine. I know. Oh. 
How many times do you guys think it's in there? This is not a hard question. Just guess. It's more than nine. But you're on the right track. How many times do you think it's in there? 99. No, not quite. Close. Um, no. It is in there 81 times. What's interesting about 81 when it comes to the number nine? It's nine times nine. Yeah, it's in there uh, 81 times. The word Nineveh, so that's the city that Jonah was supposed to go to. Uh, it's nine V. Okay, it's a like a not derivative. That's not the right word. Comes from the word nine, anyways. Uh, but it's in there 18 times. So if you take the 81 times that nine shows up and 18 times that Nineveh shows up, you get 99. Clear. So you were pretty close. I just think those things are kind of cool. Um, I mean, that's kind of like digging into the weeds of. I mean, you're getting pretty specific on stuff like that, but it's so cool. I mean, I don't think that it's a mistake that God does some of these things just to see it, like if we can find them out. Now, I I am not the one who discovered uh, most of what I'm giving you. Some of it I've discovered, some of it I've heard taught, um, some of it I've stolen directly from uh, our Discipleship 2 material, some of it I've stolen from some material went through an HBI, so uh, a lot of this is not necessarily just mine. Um, that one I did not, that was not me that actually found that out, but uh, anyways, I just think it's cool because God knows how many times he put each word in the Bible. He has a reason for doing it the way he's done things. Uh, so I just think it's cool sometimes to, to see that. Uh, turn to John chapter 15. This is the passage where Jesus is talking about how he's the true vine and talks about, you know, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. And he gives the example of a tree. You know, so Jesus is the, is the you know, main part of the tree, the trunk. And you know we're the we're the branches, and the branches that don't bear fruit, you're supposed to cut those off, right? Trim them up. Uh, what's it called? Not groom the tree, but uh, prune the tree, right? You're supposed to cut off the dead stuff so that the the water and the nutrients from the tree can go to the branches that are actually bringing forth fruit, so they'll bring more fruit or bigger fruit. Um, so that example of a of a real life tree, Jesus uses that to say. You know, I, I'm the tree, Jesus says. Like, you guys are the branches. Bear fruit. If the branch's job is to bear fruit. Uh, Jesus, the tree, like, he gives the nutrients, right? We have everything we need to be able to bear fruit um, in Christ, right? If, if you're saved, you have everything you need. You are part of the, you're part of the body of Christ, uh, and you should bring forth fruit. And so he gives this, uh, basically that uh, message here in, in uh, John chapter 15. But nine times the word abide shows up, or abideth, a version of the word abide, uh, shows up nine times in this passage. And it's because Jesus is teaching us, teaching his disciples, teaching people how to bear fruit. You bear fruit by abiding in Christ. And so abide or abideth shows up nine times in this passage as a reminder, this is how you bear fruit, by abiding in Christ. Um, The fruit of the Spirit, there are nine fruit of the Spirit. You guys know what they are? Love. Joy. Peace. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness. Temperance. And I'm missing the last one, which is... I said long-suffering, didn't I? Maybe I missed long-suffering. Love, joy, peace. Temperance. Goodness. And long-suffering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was the one I missed. Yeah, I said it in a weird order. Anyways, that's in... uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, I think. Uh, but there's nine fruit of the Spirit. Okay, those are the, those are the fruits 
or fruit that we should be um, exhibiting in our life uh, when we allow the Holy Spirit to to like work through us. Um, there's a lot of study you can do on the nine fruit of the Spirit, but this is not the point of this lesson. But nine is fruit bearing. So anytime you see the nine showing up in the Bible, it's almost always dealing with bearing fruit in some in some way. Uh, the number ten is the number of the Gentiles. Anytime you see the number ten in the Bible, think Gentiles. That's you. Well, it was you before you were saved. Uh, turn to Genesis chapter five. That's where we get a list of the genealogies from Adam to Noah. All right, somebody give me the list. Adam is first. He begat Seth, Seth. Seth. Thank you. And then he begat Huh? It's in the verses. Genesis 5. Yes, thank you. And then Oh my gosh, you guys, what is going on? Who comes after Enos? Verse 9. Genesis 5 9. Uh, Caleb. Genesis 5 9? You don't have to read the verse, just who's the guy? And then who's next? He begat. Spell it. Good enough. Mahalalil, I don't know. Alright, six. Jared. Jared. Waiting for that easy one to pronounce, weren't you? Number seven. Who comes after Jared? Huh? Enoch. And then. There's only two more. Methuselah. Methuselah, yes, oldest man who ever lived. And then Lamech. Whoops. And then Noah. Noah, yes. So he was the tenth generation from Adam. Okay. He's the father of the Gentiles. I mean, technically we could trace it all the way back to Adam, but we can also trace it back to Noah, who was the tenth from uh, Adam, from creation. All right, go to Genesis chapter 10, verse 10. told you guys, a lot of times these numbers of chapters and verses line up with what is being talked about. Genesis 10, 10. And, uh, no, sorry. 
uh, and the beginning of his kingdom. Let's talk about this guy named Nimrod. Uh, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Eric and Akkad and Kalna and the land of Shinar. Okay, this is the first Gentile kingdom. The first Gentile uh, kingdom on earth is Nimrod, and he starts Babel. You guys know Babel, the Tower of Babel, right? Uh, he had some other cities that were listed there also, but this is uh, the first the first kingdom, Gentile kingdom on the earth. Uh, Genesis chapter ten verse five is the first time the, the word Gentile is mentioned. By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, every one after his tongue, after their families in their nations. Okay, first time it shows up is Genesis chapter 10. It's the number of the Gentiles. Go to Acts chapter 10. Again, number 10, Gentiles. Acts chapter 10 is the story of Cornelius and Peter. Uh, I've taught on this before, whether you remember it or not, I'm not sure, but basically God comes to Peter in a dream and says, hey, I want you to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And Peter's like, no, we can't go to the Gentiles with this. The Gentiles are dogs. We can't, we're not supposed to do that. They're unclean. We're not even supposed to go into their house. And God's like, hey, listen, whatever I say something is unclean, uh, it's unclean, but don't call what I have said is clean, unclean. And he, so he corrects Peter. Peter's like, all right, fine, I'll go. And so these guys show up, say, hey, come to this house with us. He's like, okay, I'll go. He goes and he preaches the gospel. People get saved. The Holy Spirit comes on them just like he did with the, with the Jews. And Peter's like, what in the world is happening? Why are the Gentiles allowed to get saved now? I don't get this at all. But he goes back and he tells the other disciples and they all are confused about it. And they're like, surely this can't be. But Acts chapter 10 is where we, the Gentiles, get access to the gospel uh, in the first like official time. Now, there were Gentiles that before that, probably that had gotten saved, but this was where the gospel really opened to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. Um, there's another passage in Nehemiah 4. We're not going to read, but if you want to write it down, you can. Nehemiah 4, I think 7 through 12. Yeah, 7 through 12. There's uh, these Gentile nations, and Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls uh, around Jerusalem, and so... Uh, they come, these Gentile nations come and, and 10 different times they threaten to, uh, you know, try to stop the, the wall being rebuilt. All right. The number 12. Anybody know what 12 is? Number of the Jews or the nation of Israel. Uh, without going to all these different verses, uh, Genesis chapter 12, that's where Abraham, he's the first Jew. That's where God calls him out, right? To be... Uh, the father of many nations and all of that. There's 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, the high priest of Israel wears a like a ephah, a breastplate that has 12 stones in it. When Jim was in here doing his uh, manuscript evidence, he was wearing like that the priest gown garb thing that he had on. He had that breastplate that had these 12 stones in it. Um, you guys know the story of Joseph when he has a dream and he tells his parents and his brothers, "Hey, there's 12 stars," and they were bowing down. Right? There's 12. Those are the 12. Uh, tribes of Israel. Uh, there's Jesus had 12 disciples. Okay, all of them were Jews. Um, there's just all the time 12, 12, 12. Uh, whenever they go send out spies to the Promised Land to go, uh, you know, see if they're going to be able to take over the Promised Land, they send 12 spies, right? One from each of the tribes. And so the 12 spies go in, and uh, of course we know that they decided not to um, pursue that. But um, anyways. I did not write 13 on here. 
And these last couple really fast. Anybody know what 13 is? Claire, what's 13? Rebellion. Good job. Number 13 is the number of rebellion. This is uh, maybe one of the most obvious ones in the Bible. Maybe behind the number 7. But uh, this one is all the time. Genesis 14, verse 4. Almost any time that you come across chapter 13 in the Bible is dealing with rebellion. Uh, or verse 13. So many verse 13s deal with rebellion. Uh, Genesis 14, verse 4 says, Twelve years they served Chedorlaomer, Omar, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. That is the first mention of the word 13, uh, or the, a form of 13. This is 13th. But the first time 13 shows up, they rebel. Okay, uh, Genesis chapter 13, verse 13. There are 13 words in that chapter, and it's dealing with the city of Sodom. You guys know Sodom and Gomorrah and how wicked and rebellious they were. God destroyed them with fire and brimstone. But Genesis 13, 13 has 13 words dealing with the city of Sodom and the wickedness of Sodom. Uh, Numbers chapter 13, that's where the 12 spies go spy out the land, and they come back and they give, a, 10 of them say, no, it's impossible, we can't do it. And so they decide to disobey God, to rebel against God, and not go take the promised land based on the word of these uh, ten spies. But that's, Gen or that's Numbers chapter 13, dealing with uh, the rebellion of the nation of Israel. The word rebel is in the Bible, uh, is in 13 different verses in the Bible. It's in there 14 times total, but in 13 different verses. Um, Ishmael, I talked about that just a minute ago. That's Abraham's son with, uh, not his wife, with his handmaid, Ishmael. Uh, he was 13 years old when he was circumcised. That's in Genesis chapter 17. Um, 13 is generally the age where, I mean, that is where you become a teenager. Teenagers in general are rebellious. 13 is uh, kind of when kids start becoming rebellious. Some of you guys are just past that age, so um, don't be rebellious. Some of you are 13. Are you going to be 13? Are you 13? No. Are you going to be 13? Are you thir you're not. You're 13. You're, is your brother 13? Yeah, I think you just turned 13. Okay. See, I guess by the time you get to high school, you're 15 or 14. Anyways, 13, uh, number of rebellion. You guys know my, one of my favorite passages in 1 Samuel is that story where he's supposed to go kill all the people, but he brings back like the some of the animals, and he brings back the king, and then Samuel goes in there, and he's like, did you do what uh, God told you to do? And he's like, yeah, I did everything I was supposed to do. Uh, that's verse 13 that he says that I, he did everything that God commanded him to do. And then in verse 14 is where Samuel responds to him. He's like, then what's this bleeding of the sheep I hear? And he get that whole uh, story. That's First uh, Samuel 15. But it's verse 13 is where Saul lies about uh, how he obeyed God when he really didn't. Uh, John chapter 13 is where Jesus reveals to his disciples at the Last Supper that one of them is going to betray him. One of you is going to be rebellious and betray Jesus. Uh, that's John chapter 13. All right, the last one, number 40. Anybody know what 40 is? Testing or proving. Without going too far into this, it rained 40 days on the earth when, uh, with Noah and the ark. All right, that was a time of proving and, uh, and testing people, right? I mean, it was to, it was to kind of reset the... You know, mankind reset uh, the you know man on the earth. 
In Acts chapter 1, Jesus was alive on the earth after his resurrection for 40 days. Okay, so he revealed himself to tons of different people. I think it says 500 different people um, to prove that he was... Are you trying to see what it says? To prove uh, that he was resurrected, right? In order to prove himself, uh, not that he needed to prove himself, but in order to prove himself to man, uh, he spent 40 days on the earth revealing himself to mankind. Uh, he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness right before he was tempted by the devil. Okay, that was a, a time of testing and proving. Um, Numbers chapter 13, that's with the spies. They spent 40 days in the promised land, right, to test and prove out, is this something that we can take? Um, ultimately, they could have, but they didn't. Caleb, who was one of the two spies that came back with a good report saying, yes, we can do it. Uh, he was 40 years old when he was uh, spying out the land. It talks about that in Joshua chapter 14. Uh, the book of Exodus has 40 chapters in it. The book of Exodus is them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, right? Dealing with uh, testing and proving and ultimately God killing off all of the nation of Israel that left Egypt, uh, except for the kids, uh, because the adults did made a decision not to obey God and not to go into the promised land when they were supposed to do that. So Exodus deals with testing and proving of the Jews um, and where they wandered for 40 years. Moses the leader of the Israelites in that time period, uh, his life was broken into four or three separate 40-year time periods. So for the first 40 years, he lived in Egypt, in the, print, or in the king's house, in Pharaoh's house. Uh, and then when he was 40, that's when he killed the Egyptian and he ran off. And then he ran to the backside of the desert. He spent 40 years uh, as a shepherd and living with his father-in-law. That's where he met his wife. And, uh, and then the last 40 years of his life is where God calls him out of the burning bush when he's 80 and says, hey, go lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And so he spends the last 40 years of his life uh, getting Israel out of the nation of Egypt and then wandering around in the desert. And he dies right before they enter the promised land because of his sin in the, in the wilderness. So he has 40 years, three different times um, in his life. Goliath, David and Goliath, right? He goes... And he stands before the, the armies of Israel and he defies their God and them for 40 days. And that's when David shows up and he's like, who's this guy that's like mocking God and, and defying the, the God of, of Israel? Uh, that's not going to happen when I'm here. And so David goes down and kills him. But he did that for 40 days. Goliath went out every day for 40 days challenging Israel uh, before somebody finally showed up and took care of him. Uh, Nineveh, I talked about that earlier. Jonah went to Nineveh. He preached a, uh, a message of repentance. And then he went outside the city and he was telling them, hey, you have 40 days to repent. You have 40 days before God's going to come down and judge your city. And ultimately they did repent and God spared that city. And uh, Jonah wasn't very happy about it, but they had 40 days to repent. And uh, that's, again, there's probably way more examples of 40s, but that's just some of them. Uh, this was a super fast overview of the numbers in the Bible. I think I told you guys last time, I think I spent like, I think I spent like eight weeks talking about num numbers the last time I went through this. Uh, this is, I just wanted to kind of get through it quickly, but if you don't have that list, I would recommend writing it down and uh, just keeping track as you go through the Bible, as you read, you know, underline the seventh verse if it talks about perfection or completeness. Underline the 13th verse and just write rebellion next to it uh, if it's dealing with rebellion. It happens um, very frequently, more often maybe than you would think. Uh, but it's just a good structure to have. Yeah. 
Write down these 40 that numbers. numbers Not 40 numbers. Oh, is it really this? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yes, your Wednesday night homework. Yeah, non-homework. Uh, it's the same thing as the last couple of weeks, which is just think about your relationship with the Lord. Think about if that's something that's important to you. Think about something that you can make a change in. I will have some new idea. Huh? Yeah, and then do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have a new thing for you guys this week. Hopefully that will help with that. So, any questions? Comments or concerns? I'll email your parents this today to remind them about the game because I need to know how many people are coming for sure so we can buy the tickets so we can get the group pricing. Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, let's pray.